This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Austin Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. Bruins writer Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. Featuring contributions from WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. Former Bruin and WAAF personality Lyndon Byers. And nine-year NHL veteran Ryan Whitney. Whitney has tied Sunday Skate is brought to you by AT&T, Star Market, and by Wise Snacks. Win, you know, we got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. him up for some Bees Talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. All right, let's get the preemptive disclaimer out of the way. Don't worry, plenty of football talk coming up on the show. It's preemptive text machine disclaimer. Ken Laird here. Rear Admiral is here. Ty Anderson came straight from Foxborough. Just got through the traffic now. What's going on, boys? That was, so, that was a blues, quite a Blues Brothers entrance bias right there. That was. If I, uh, T- timely and classy as always. Right? Yeah, as always. Oh, good morning. Great to be here. Uh, enjoyable football game last night. Yes, but, it was. And uh, not as expected, would you say? Um, I'm not if you want to go, go, quote unquote play the tape from Thursday. I'm not surprised at all that Houston kept it within the spread at all. Um, Clowney said they rattled Brady. I'll get into that coming up in nine. I uh, I'll tell you though, if, if if Pittsburgh wins today and 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 the Patriots play like that next week, can't you know? You better might want to make new plans with those Houston airline tickets because you know Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger aren't, aren't what we saw last night. See if they get through the ice storm in KC. How was the game, Ty? You were down um, there. I mean, it was great. I love I love going to. the Did you see games. any of the games? I of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he saw three of them. <laughs> you guys, you guys always oh, yeah. forget. I'm I'm the non-drinker. You, you are a teetotaler. That's yeah, right. Too, yeah, that's sure. right. Well, hey, uh, last week here on the uh, program, we were discussing Claude Julian's future and whether he was going to get whacked or not. Or a week later, it was a pretty good week for the Bruins. Pretty good week. Uh, they're in a playoff spot, sort of, depending on how you view the uh, the standings with a lot of games in hands from other teams. But uh, I got to say, I'm a little ashamed to admit I'm starting to buy in on this team. After a week, after four games since we last spoke, uh, not going back rear on my uh, declaration that Claude will get fired the next three game losing streak they have. Okay, what are you doing then? But <laughs> I think I think they've got a team here that showed some pretty good signs this week, and I guess we got to start with Marshan and Krug. An- another terrific week for Marshan and uh, Tory Krug with goals in three straight games. Story yeah. of the week. Yeah, he, there's been a nice bounce back from Marshan after his uh, torrid start. He really slowed down for a bit. I mean, he wasn't playing bad hockey. He was still playing a good 200 foot game. He just wasn't, you know, putting points up, which is what, what you're paying guys to do. And Tory Krug, same thing. He he had a rough start. He was kind of hearing the boo birds a little bit, but um, he got it through it and. Uh, he's been, you know, arguably their best defenseman for this last little stretch here. And, and, and you know, like I've said and written all year, this team, you know, it has heart, it has talent. It, it just lacks scoring is, is their major issue as, a, as they had a six-goal game yesterday. I know that's a stupid thing to say, but, you know, it, it's been the, their issue for them. I mean, the, of the playoff teams, I think they're the third least goals among 16 teams currently in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a problem for them. Um, it, it's something they could probably maybe overcome in playoff time with goaltending, but, um, you know, you'd prefer them to, to, to maybe go out and get something in the top six before the deadline. Well, that's the other story of the week. They score six last night. Uh, Ty texted me, start to plan the parade. The sticks are alive. Uh, in the last six games, not just last night, six games, Ty, 22 goals. They're averaging like four a game. Yeah. I mean, well, this is the, the famous percentages, right? Percentages are coming around. So you have to you have to feel good about that. I mean, Tory Krug, three goals. Of course, go- he's showing up finally. 
Finally, right? What's no, it? what's that? <laughs> but you, you get Tory Krug, for example, right? He has three goals in his last four shots. Before that, he had five on his last 360-something. I mean, that's, you know, obviously the percentages are, are inflated right now, but this is sort of the thing you're talking about with the bounces coming back around and helping them out. Uh, finally, finally showing up here, and, and it's leading to some wins, leading to some results. And, you know, it's interesting. I talked to the team on Friday, and they were talking about how, you know, I, I said it was still a good road trip for you guys. Even though you lost on Thursday, it was a good road trip, right? And they said, no, no, we need points. Five out of eight is not good enough. And I thought that was like, wow, this team realizes the desperation they're in. They realize that they can't wait until March, until the end of March to be like, okay, now we need to win games. They know they need them now. And that, I think that's telling. That shows progress and growth. Well, it's honest, right? They're on pace for 91 points right now. They missed the playoffs the last two years with 93 and 96, I think. So if they keep on this pace, you know, technically, a lot of things, weird things can happen. Won't be good enough. It's not good enough. Right. And, and with all the games in hand that Ottawa and Toronto have on them, they're really not in a playoff spot in the Atlantic right now. You well, wouldn't they, think. They no longer control their own destiny. I got, I got chirped out for, for saying that the other day. It's like, well, I mean, I know there's, you know, 36 games left, but, you know, the reality is they're in the playoffs right now, and they, they, it's, they can play, you know, the, the rest of the string out and still not get in the playoffs. You don't control your fate anymore. I guess the, uh, technically the wild card they probably do. I think they're ahead of Philly for the eighth spot with that win okay. yesterday. But, uh, you know. Actually, no, Philly Philly could ca- – uh, They have a, they have a yeah, game in Philly's hand. Philly's got a game in hand that okay. would well, be close. But, look, did you see – did you happen to see who's on number three in the Atlantic Division this morning? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. 4-2 um, win last night. I'm um, there – Way ahead of schedule, I would say. Not to get off track here, but to, to digress about them, uh, it's it's really impressive what those kids have been doing up there, man. Well, Talk about and, Toronto, and they've yeah. handled Boston so far in the head-to-head meetings. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. it's not that I'm cheering for them. I'm a big Austin Matthews fan. The kids enjoy to watch, but I, I mean, you know, the, the, the front, and they're not even they haven't done anything yet. But you know, if you if if you're a fan of the of the Leafs or work for their front office, man, you got to be impressed of how ahead of schedule they appear to be. Well, just sticking to the Boston bubble, though, if you're yeah. Don Sweeney, if you're management, you see this week, and as you said, Ty, maybe the players didn't totally love the road trip, but. They played pretty well in Nashville. I mean, anybody who watched the game, it was yeah. an entertaining game. It was, by their standard, that's a well-played game. Break here or there. They lose Rask, obviously, early. You play three games in a row like that, are you buying in? Like, if you're, if you're Sweeney, are you saying, yes, this is it? Now you're starting to think, hey, we're going to go for it. I think you have to because I, I, I think in a way, like, you look at this Eastern Conference and, you know, yeah, you have some more games played, but I think you look at the matchups around you. And you say, okay, we could make a, a, a two, three-round run here, and then it's all bets are off. You never know what can happen. I didn't think that 2013 team was going to make it to the finals, but they did. You know, so this, this, is, sport, this is a sport where it's different than basketball or football where the best teams are going to win. I mean, this team, if you, if you have a hot goaltender, you have a healthy lineup, and your best players contribute the way they've contributed these last week and a half, two weeks, you can make noise and you can make a run. And I think I think this is, you know, it's, it's easy to buy in now because – the, like I said, the sticks are hot. The sticks are alive. They're scoring goals. Um, but this team has proven that they can win two to one games. They can win three to two games. It, for me, it's about proving that you can win four to three, five to four kind of games. Yesterday was similar, similar to that. I know it was a six to three final, but Philly kept making it closer than than it than it really should have been. And I think that's telling uh, the way that they kept the pressure on Philly. Uh, and really beat them in a submission. I mean, Philly is a team that you could very well run into in the playoffs if you if you draw, if they draw into you know as a wild card into your bracket, I mean that's a team you could face off against. So yeah. to have it to have a game like that, uh, I think is very it's very good. It's very positive for the team. It it really creates some confidence that I think that room was lacking, especially when you look at Thursday. You talk about Thursday's game and how it was another too little, too late kind of effort. They dominated the puck but don't score. 
Uh, I think leaving that frustration in Nashville and returning to what you did in the road trip, which is scoring goals, is huge for this team's confidence. It's hard to say, yes, they're going to score goals the rest of the year because you threw out the numbers. I mean, they're not good, right? They're still twenty mid-20s in the league in goals per game, uh, Admiral. But this last six-game stretch, they have been scoring, and they they look like they have two top lines that can compete with anybody. You know, Vitrano's been a big addition to them. Right, yeah. I mean, he's. I think he had three goals. Did he actually? Did he get one yesterday? I'm, I don't think he got one yesterday. No, no. but he's been. He has been a huge in the addition. St. Louis game. Yeah, I mean, the kid. I mean, there was one sequence in the St. Louis game. I mean, he got two shots off in about four seconds. Yep. He just fires from anywhere, and he he has. A, I mean, a, an NHL caliber shot more than anything else in his game. Um, they do. I've said this before. You know, when Spooner is going, that's that's a viable NHL second line. Backus, Krejci, and Spooner. You know, but if he's not going as good, then you know that that they don't look as good. It's still a depth issue, man. I mean, you got the two goal club I wrote about yeah, and yesterday. You know, on yesterday's column on weei dot com, Riley Nash two goals, Kevin Hayes two goals. I'm not picking on Matt Bolesky. I know he's been hurt, but before he got hurt, Jimmy he Hayes. only had Kevin's got. A sorry, I know I've known them since they were babies. <laughs> I get them confused still, but uh, you know Matt Bolesky two two goals before he got hurt. You know, it's I mean Don Moore has eight goals. He's a guy you haven't expected. So they, they have guys up the, on, on the high end who haven't produced, you know, like Bergeron, who not to pe- belabor that point, he has picked up his play, but he still only has eight goals, 45 games into the season. He had, you know, thir- I think 30 last year. Yeah, so, had his ninth you know, he's, yesterday. He's still off his pace. Uh, I, if they can get balanced scoring, then, uh, like I said, this team and the players can beat anybody. I mean, they've they've shown it through the year, through the season. I mean, they they Columbus has lost eight games. Boston's given them two of their losses. They Went up to Montreal. They won a game in in that building where they've had nightmares. Uh, it's just the issue when they go to these uh, teams below them in the standards and play below the standards. That's that's been their Achilles for them. I mean, if they don't get in the playoffs, they are going to look back at a handful of games and say, "Man, if we just beat won that game against that lousy team, we'd be in the playoffs." You're right about depth. If you look at the lines they've been trotting out here, you still look at the Spooner line that with the quote unquote third line right now. Spooner, Nash, and, and Schaller. Is that going to be good enough eventually to? get them to where they want to go. Probably not. They will get Bolesky back. Only two goals, but I maybe he plugs in there and gives them a spark. What's what's the status on Bolesky? He's he's pretty close, right? He's skating. Uh, still hasn't been cleared for contact, but he is skating. Uh, he's He's been on the ice these last few days. I think just getting his legs back here. I mean, it's, it's tough when, you, when you're off the ice for almost a month now, and you know, it's really tough to do much of anything. Uh, but but Bolesky, you know, he's a hard worker. Um, he's going to be back as soon as he possibly can, and I think with him as well, you have to expect that he's going to be better than he was at the start because it was so, sort of similar to last year where no one in that third line found their groove until December, January. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he came back and, and he has more of a solid footing in terms of what he's doing production-wise and, and his role on the team. And I mean, it's a guy who's going to give you everything he's got every shift, which is which is what you want, especially out of that third line. So I think having him back would, would, would create some... Uh, some it would regain some chemistry, but it would also allow the team to sort of um, spread out their scoring a little bit more because uh, I think he does have some more offense in his stick than than he's shown than he did show when he was healthy uh, this season. So, I mean, you hope so, but but it's tough to bank on uh, bank on that guy to be your savior. You know, come deadline time, I know. Yeah, and, and if they've got to win with this group, maybe they can squeak in with this group. But maybe the most encouraging thing of the week, they look like they cared. They, I mean, a bunch of emotion yesterday on the ice. It, it sounds dumb to say that, but like you know, a fist bump by Krejci, Chara's into it. He's getting bear hugged after the you know a rare home win where they're they're just back to five hundred on the year. They had the Bacchus you know homecoming in St. Louis Tuesday. Maybe that sparked him a little bit. It just felt like watching the games. Their playoff style games. McQuaid's dropping the gloves. 
there, there's a bit of a buy-in feel to the team this week. Absolutely. I <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's been there all year. I mean, I know they have had some slow starts, but this team, I, I think they took per, took it personal last year. I think a lot of the stuff that was written about them uh, by myself, among many others, that called them out for you know for for choking down the stretch. I mean, they had a playoff spot by the Cojones, you know, with two weeks to go last year. I mean, I was writing about it in all possibility. I, you know, it was like 97% chance of getting in. I mean, they really blew it. So I think they, they you know, they... They went 3-8-1 and one over the final 12. There you go. It's you know? ridiculous. So I, I think that they took that personal that they, A, that they did it, and B, all the all the guff they took for it. And and uh, I think bringing in David Backus has, has been pretty big for them as far as, you know, holding guys culpable in the room and... Like I said, you know, he was ostensibly the uh, offensive replacement for Louis Erickson. Um, in, but I think they got a lot more than that. I think they, they had a guy who's, you know, going to hold people a little more responsible than, than Louis. And I think we see a lot of that. I, I mean, I'm, I, I know that's something you can't measure. It's a tangible thing. But, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that his, his effect in the locker room has been, has been pretty big. You know, David Backus. And, and hey, maybe it's just the power play has started to click. That could be another element of, of what's gotten him going this week because it's – Starting to take fire a little bit. Last 12 games, they're at 26%. They're at 17, 16, what, 16, 17% on the year? But all of a sudden, for the last two weeks, they've figured something out. So those, all these are pretty good signs that what you're seeing here has, actually has some tangibility, some lasting effect to it. The problem is, like you just said, the last two years, it's going to be hard for fans to buy in because of these terrible finishes the last couple seasons. People will believe it now when they see it. Wake me up when the playoffs start. Yeah. I mean, people, last year was the last straw for a lot of people, like myself included. I had been a season ticket holder for, for ages, and I, I couldn't justify spending that money. I mean, when I started getting my tickets, it was $28 a ticket. I had last row on the balcony, which are great seats. If you're going to be in the balcony, be on the last row, by the way. And I, I, they had gone up $28 all the way up to $53 in, like, you know, four or five years. And I know you have to pay for a contender, but, I like, last year I ate more games than I had previously did. And I'm like, I can't, you know, this year, I, I, I didn't end up eating, you know, eight, ten games this year. That, you know, 100 and, <clears throat> excuse me, 110 games of pop. You know, I'm not exactly Tony Montana over here. So, you know, it's <laughs> like, close, it, yeah, close. he's just burning, burning money. So, I, I, and, I, and they were in it. That was that was a playoff race, too. It's yeah. not like they were out of it last year. Exactly. And people were disenchanted. They right. went for it. They added play, pieces at the deadline. Uh, and they just didn't have that feel to it. Maybe this will be different. The weird thing is you look at the schedule. Eight of their last ten, I think, are at home. Yeah. That could be the worst news possible. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean? exactly. Well, yeah. that's that's yeah. why that's why a game like yesterday is so important because your your final I think it's, you have thirty six games left on the year and twenty two out of them are at home. You you have to establish some sort of home ice advantage. It's as simple as that. And I know it's you know they can't keep teetering five hundred under five hundred five hundred under five hundred. You, you need to g- generate some consistency. You need to generate a winning streak at home, and that's been the the season long goal at this point. They they want to make the guard a tough. Tough place to play. Their leaders say it before every game and after every game. They say, we need to make this a, a better building or a better building for us and a building that teams look at the at the schedule and go, I don't want to go there. That's the last place I want to be right now is TD Garden. You know, the crowd yesterday is good. I mean, it gets them on their side. I think the crowd yesterday did a great job of drawing calls and, and drawing some of the intensity that you saw the Flyers sort of react to. And the Bruins just kind of said, hey, have at it. The Bruins, I mean – it was a messy game in terms of penalties yesterday, but the Bruins showed some great discipline, which is the Flyers. I mean, that's a team that usually gets under their skin. You rarely saw them sort of go over the line, which is great. 
Saturday Saturday afternoon games with the Flyers are they do have a particular intensity anyways. I mean the the two teams could be at the bottom of the standings, but there's always something about that Boston Philly kind of similar to when the Rangers come to town. You just there is a, an extra little pizzazz in the building, you know. Yeah. Um, but Flyers, I I love when they you know they're one of those teams that I, you, you kind of have a love hate thing for them. I mean, you hate them because they're the Flyers, but there's a you know you you love having them in because they they they, they do they make for entertaining games. They, they, you know, and they won ten in a row earlier in the year, and now they're in a big funk. Yeah, they're gold. Goaltending stinks. It yeah. does. Well, I think somebody said, or I saw some stat, no, no team that's won a 10-game, had a 10-game winning streak has ever missed the playoffs, but they might do it. This right. might be one of those that's, teams that does it. If there's anyone's going to do it, it'll be the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, and their goaltending is not built for the long term. I, I kept looking at the bench going, all right, who's coming in here? Yeah. I'm like, Neuber's got to be out of here. I've never seen a goalie look this uncomfortable like in a game, like, save for Anton Hudobin. Uh, and I was Ooh. like, this guy's, this guy's got to go. He's got to get out of here. And sure enough, they never made the call. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Because the guy, the other guy's probably not that good either. Could open, by the way, back to back shutouts in the AHL. Yeah, Let's yeah. pump Ooh, the brakes a little bit. Huh? Wait, wait till he gets back up here. If, yeah, if he gets back up here. This is Sunday Skate here on Sports Radio WEI. Kent Laird, Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports, and our own Ty Anderson from WEI.com. We're brought to you by AT&T, Star Market, and Wise Snacks. Did you see anything this week, 617-779-7937, that you look at and would say signature sort of feel to it, turning point? That's what we're looking for. What most encouraged you about the Bruins? And they were 2-1-1 one, and one this week. It's not like they, they're on any kind of massive streak, but just the way they played, more so than, than the points, five of the last eight points here since we last spoke. And uh, back to last year for just one more uh, reflection, Admiral, because you were talking about uh, you know, the, the attitude of the team. Mm-hmm. At the midpoint, right when they went on the All-Star break, a couple of the guys, I don't know if you remember this, Ty, had some quotes that were like borderline cocky. I think Krug was one. Spooner was one. They dropped like nobody gave us a chance. They were sitting pretty at that point. Yeah, yeah. And it was maybe ahead of their time. And looking back on it, it's kind of ridiculous that they were had that, at least voiced that for a moment. I don't sense that as much this year. I think they've been pretty much humbled now from two years and those two epic collapses. You hope they've learned their lesson about that. Yeah, I mean, Krug's a very confident guy, and and there's a fine line between confidence and cocky, and I've, I've never gotten a cocky vibe from him. I mean, you know, he's he's a very undersized kid. He's had to probably play with a chip on his shoulder his whole life to get to the NHL. I mean, if you've ever seen him off skates, he's he's, he's not a big guy at all, but he's got a huge hat. He's got, you know, he plays with a lot of, to use the word again, cojones. So, you know, when I've talked to him, you can you get that vibe of confidence of him, but maybe Ty can agree or disagree, but not, not a cocky thing. I mean, some hockey players, I mean, they're, they're the cocky some of them are the cockiest SOBs out there when right. you talk to them. Which is why it's so surprising but, to hear those guys but, say that last Yeah, year. that's that's I would think that's just more more probably from a place of confidence than, than cockiness. And yeah, I am sure they if they go back and read them, they'll probably cringe a little because they weren't they they didn't have it wrapped up. But like I said, I was, you know, I, I had written uh, something on Boston, the effect of oh, they'd have to really like, you know, poop the bed and do everything else and nine million things would have to happen for them not to make the playoffs and and, and that's exactly what happened. They 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 didn't make it. Do you sense any of that? What's the vibe over there? I mean, this week it looks like it's been pretty good. Obviously, oh, sorry. I think it's I think it's you. Uh, it's Seventy Sixers like trust the process, right? You know, they 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 when they were shooting bricks and they were just hitting the net, hitting hitting glass, they kind of figured out. They said, "All right, well, let's stick with it, and maybe something will happen here." And sure enough, uh, that's what's that's what's really happened to them. I think they haven't. They've done a great job of not getting too high when they when they win, not getting too low when they lose. And I think that's where a guy like Bacchus and a guy like Bergeron, that's where they really help you out because they, they're not – they lead by example and they understand that it's an 82-game grind. These guys are battle-tested. They've been there before. Uh, I think that's when they help you out. And 
honestly, I think those two, having those two type of guys in your locker room, along with Chara, who's really been revitalized, I think, by being the true mentor to a guy like Brandon Carlo, uh, I, I think that's really helped them out because this team, they don't slam sticks when they when they lose. They don't, you know, they don't pop champagne when they win either. They understand they understand that there's a long way to go, both negatively and positively. To the phones we go here on Sunday Skate, Laird, Admiral, and Ty Anderson. Chris in Plainville starting us off today here on uh, Sunday morning. What's going on, Chris? Recently in an interview, that they're a small and fast team that they are would give the Blues a big problem, and it did. I mean, that coach sounds anything but not – I mean, he's dialed in, in my opinion. I, I just really like him as a coach personally. Um, but honestly, um, the World Cup, in my opinion – I don't think it can be understated how much that affects uh, that type of team, especially with those kind of players who are, who are in it like they were. Um, I think they're just now starting to come a little bit round back into shape, and um, hopefully uh, they've turned the corner because uh, that can affect. Uh, playing that kind of a tournament can affect people, and that's my take. Have a good one. All right. All right, Chris, appreciate the call, man. You know, what was interesting, though, was like Chara was raving about the effect of the World Cup on his game early in the year, right? He was crediting that as that's what got me going. So did the World Cup lead to a slow start, or did it help? It helped Chara. Yeah. I don't think it helped a lot of the other guys, though. Because Chara, I mean, remember that first game against Team North America? He's getting turnstiled by all these young kids, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be a long year. And then by the end of it, Chara had adapted, and he was keeping pace with these with these little guys, with these young guys. And I think that sort of taught him this is a faster game now, and you got to find better ways to sort of, you know, get in there defensively. And uh, so I think it helped him. A guy like Bergeron, who played such a taxing role. I mean, he was Canada's go-to defensive centerman. He was their go-to face-off guy, uh, especially that line with Crosby, uh, Marshan as well. And uh, I think it hurt him in a way because I, def- I definitely think he tweaked something during that tournament, and then he tried to play through it. And sure enough, he's he's misses the first three games of the year, and when he comes back, he's you know he's half of what he should be. And finally, now he's looking like he's rounding into form, which is great. Uh, so I think it hurt. I think it hurt those guys, but I think it helped helped Chara. I would I would make the case that it, it helped a goalie like Rask too, getting getting into it right away, uh, which was great for him. Uh, but it also hurt some goalies like Jonathan Quick, for example. I you know I think. Uh, there's another goal. Uh, I think Lundqvist that was injured for a little while too, and and I mean, so it all depends, you know, how 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 do you play? How hard do you play? Uh, which is weird to say it helped Chara considering how hard he plays, but I think it helped him and it hurt some other guys, and that's to be expected. Especially what follows the World Cup of Hockey, which is a condensed schedule, three games and four nights became the norm for the first three months of the year, which is not common. I don't know what it caused Crew to get off to the slow start, but he and McQuaid all of a sudden have become pretty good second pairing that's been gigantic I mean just th- those two seem to play well off each other that crew hasn't had a perfect week he had the giveaway uh, in the Nashville game or whatever oh, yeah. in front brutal you get if you get him you know in front of his net like that he, he can be exposed but at the other end to watch him join the rush like he did in the win yesterday mm-hmm. Admiral and that's what you're looking for from him and, right and he can trust McQuaid that make up on the other end yeah and I think McQuaid for some reason in the last year or so in this town from not everybody but he's gotten somewhat a bit of a bad rap I mean I know when he signed his deal everybody kind of mocked it and I, I think it was more it just I criticized the sort of redundancy of it because they had Kevin Miller and I think Miller and McQuaid are very similar players but I mean I've always been a big McQuaid fan he's a hot and sold you know stall, defensive stalwart type that every team needs you know some most teams have two of them I, I, when people complain about McQuaid, I, I didn't get it. I, I still don't get it. I mean, you, you know, you saw the other night in Nashville. I know they lost the game, uh, but they scored right after he, he pulverized that guy with uh, oh, Grant uppercut. I mean, 
you know that, and that was a, a great example of you know where an organic fight. And I, I we t- actually we had Paul Bissonette in our podcast this week, and we talked about how you know fighting when, when you know it, it's still going to be a kind of an when case of emergency break last thing in the game. But that was a great example of one happening organically and, and altering the game. And you know nobody, you know nobody got dragged off the ice in a stretcher or anything. Bad. Like there was nothing horrific happened. Yeah, it was it was a good example of where, where fighting can can affect the game. Um, yeah. So McQuaid, man, I, like I said, I've, I'm I'm a big fan of his game. I I think he's a solid, uh, solid, sturdy veteran. He's he he's kind of similar to like what you know the Andrew Ferentz rule a few years ago. Maybe a little less in the offensive department, but. Just as far as you know, shows up every night, plays with with heart and balls, and that's and that's all you really really can ask for. Kevin and Brighton's next on Sunday Skate. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, good morning, folks. Good morning. Um, hey, listen. Last week there was something uh, reported on in, in Boston. That I thought would have got a bit more coverage. Um, we've all been speculating about what would happen if the Bruins missed the playoffs for the third year, whether it be Sweeney or uh, Julian out here. Um, but Bob McKenzie had tweeted out that. He knew for a fact that both of them were on the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, big secret. But uh, it still was enough to really speculate about, okay, what's going to happen a bit later on if if we, in fact, do not make the playoffs. But my question is, if Sweeney is really responsible for having rebuilt his defensive core, he's done very well in the draft with Pasternak and uh, McAvoy, how are we possibly going to boot him out of here after three consecutive good drafts and boot out Claude, who has now a rebuilt defensive core. And when your stars of the team are defensive forwards like Patrice Bergeron, I just don't understand it. I think it's going to um, be hard. Anyway. I don't think they Did McKenzie say Sweeney's on the hot seat, too? Because that would surprise he, me. He said both of them were. Uh, you can. It was a, 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 a tweet storm he gave. He was on a flight. You can look at it. You can look for it. He's taking questions, right, uh, on his way onto a flight. But right. anyway, I'd um, like to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Kevin. It's yeah, you know, it's an interesting call. I think they could easily justify firing Julian, though, based on hey, you the on we you had an on ice product that should have made the playoffs each of the last two years. Whatever happens this year, uh, you've been here at you know ten years. It's time for a change, right? That's as simple as that. Sweeney's tougher. It's tougher to justify that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ty. No, I was gonna say I, I don't think he fires Sweeney just because he's. I mean, take a look where the where the pipeline was when they fired Shirelli. It was it was god-awful. Their best prospect was Malcolm Subban. <laughs> you know, and, and in two years, Sweeney has helped rebuild that, that pipeline into something something fierce. You know, I mean, you look at you, McAvoy, Carlo, uh, Jeremy Lazan was great for Team Canada, uh, Zach Sinitian. You know, even DeBrusque is starting to find a scoring touch for the Providence Bruins, which has been great for them. Uh, so I, I look at Sweeney. I mean, this is a guy who he's really taken on the task of rebuilding the farm system because he understands that to win in today's NHL, you need guys on entry-level deals. You need cheap players that you can put next to your veterans. And I think he's realized that. He's done a great job of that. And he hasn't panicked into a, into a bad trade. I mean, you can look at the Stempniak and Lyles trades and say, oh, maybe you shouldn't have made those trades. But they didn't give up anything of, of major consequence in those deals. You know, They gave, they up, gave a, up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Unlike the the Brett Conley deal is a real backbreak. Exactly. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll that, take that deal. That was a potting gift from Peter Shirelli. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you look at those picks. I mean, they weren't all in the same draft, and they were spread out kind of well. I mean, I think with the with the uh, the few of the picks they moved, they they also had in mind that they that they had Edmonton. They have Edmonton's second round pick this year from the Shirelli uh, fire compensation. And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So I think they looked at it and they said, okay, we have we have some picks we can make work here. And obviously, under uh, operating under the assumption that if this hit the fan this year, they could have made a trade and. and 
cleared out some guys and recoup some of those assets. But it will be, to me, now that they got burned on that last year, they, they traded four picks and didn't make the playoffs. Now what do you do? You don't trade picks. You don't trade any picks? No, you don't trade any picks. I, I so I did find uh, Bob McKenzie's com- comments when he was t- taking questions, and you know this is one of those things. I think it's you know all in, in, in a this matter. is where Admiral rips the media. Go ahead. and says Bob McKenzie has no Someone's authenticity. I, I'm I, the media isn't even involved with this. This is a caller who told us something he read off the feed, and basically what I was going to say is it's it's a matter of interpretation. A person asked Bob McKenzie on Twitter, "How much longer do you believe Claude will be the coach of the Bruins with how the season's going?" Bob McKenzie replies, I know Julian and Sweeney, uh, quote, under the gun in Boston, end quote, but I think they're doing a good job and the bees need to, ri- need to ride this out. Trying to make playoffs and retool, retool on the fly is hard, but they're in the mix on both fronts, for what, which for now is a decent testament. So, you know, under the gun in Boston – is under the, I mean, that's you know, that's vague enough. Is that by the you're right? Fan, that the could fans, be fans. The, that could be fan the, chatter. You know, yeah. the the front office, and I mean, I would see, you know, yeah, of course they're under the gun. I mean, you know, they're a team that that hasn't made the playoffs two years in a row. I, I mean, I think it's anyone could say Claude's under the gun. Of you know, you, you, he's trying to prevent a the third year in a row and not making the playoffs. So I don't think that they're any more under the gun than usual. Like like and like I said last week when we talked about Fluto's calling. By the way, Mutt, I didn't trash Fluto Shinzawa at all. I went out of my way. Him. You destroyed no, Fluto last week. Not at week. all. I made I made sure to you call him a good journalism reporter. His very foundation last week. No, I I said that there was a lot of good quotes, but there was nothing really updated. I didn't I didn't knock the knock didn't at all. It. Huh? You called it phony BS, I believe. No, no, come on. No. We'll play the I mean, tape back. Yeah, play. I, I absolutely. <laughs> I, but I, I, all I'm saying is I, did, I didn't attack the reporter at all. I actually went out of my way to, to give him props to, to say he's a great reporter, which he is. All I was saying was that he was lucky to, in the sense that you know Don Sweeney went on one of his you know uh, talk out talk and talk and talk and give you know not necessarily answers or answers to both sides out of his mouth. So I'm yeah, surprised someone caught him. I'm surprised someone said, "Hey, Sweeney, you got a minute?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah sure." The guy hasn't speak. He hasn't talked to me since media day. Well, no. again, we can get back into this coming up, and we have to take a pause. But that—that's the opportunity for a GM to put a rest to the, any possibility of, you know, reading, well, reading it one way or another by saying Claude's our coach. We're not making a change, but he left it vague enough that now it's open to interpretation. I think one thing we know at Sweeney is he does not work in definites. He he likes to leave the, the door open because yeah. then he doesn't get caught lying, and it's you know, not a bad strategy. Sunday Skate here on Sports Radio WEI. More to come. Don't forget uh, coming up top of the 9 o'clock hour NFL Sunday with Pete Shepard and the boys. They'll get you set seven hours of Pat's breakdown and get you ready for the games today, which will all be here on Sports Radio WEI. Yeah, I will win. I'm a big Yeah, it's, it's starting to come. You know, we can sense right now in our locker room that uh, we're on the verge of something right now, and, and hopefully we can put uh, string a few wins together. Um, but you can see how dangerous our team is when our power plays click in, our penalty kills where it's at, and, and, and Tukes has seen the puck the way he is. Um, you can see, uh, I don't think many teams want to play us when, when we're at our best. Tory Crew bringing you back Sunday Skate, brought to you by AT&T, Star Market, and Wise Snacks. Ken Laird, Rear Admiral, Barstool Sports, Ty Anderson, WEI.com. There's the uh, confidence bordering on cocky. Nobody wants to play us when we're at our best. They've had a pretty good week. They've went up against some good teams. The one thing, though, you can you can easily pick this week apart, though, can't you? And say, eh, Blues have just been kind of stagnant. Uh, you lost 2-1 to one in Nashville. You are Phil- doom- Philly's you are been a doomsday. Oh, he is. He is. He's well. He's well trained. Beginning. I'm. I'm buying in. He's well trained by his by his mentors uh, in the morning time. Yeah. (laughs) And who would that be? John Mitterpro. 
Huh? Well, no, I was meaning the, the, the guys you work for. Oh, I yeah. Don't, don't know who that is. Yeah, Kirk and Jerry. Actually, oh. they, yeah, they, I was very pleasant. I'm sorry to go off track. You were I, featured prominently in the Kirk very, and Callahan Very, very surprised. Very, thanks. I, I send a, th- a thank you there. Well, yeah, me and Christian talked about the that ridiculous, you know, Patriots have a Trump problem. Apparently not last night. That was excellent. Uh, so, yeah, we and Christian had some talk, and when I get up in the morning, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to hear my my <laughs> my lovely dulcet tones. Not to of, mention part your, of the promo. your take on the futuristic device that is the DVR. That yeah, is, that is yeah, been making love, this week. I love – well, if, if Akin wasn't pretending he didn't, he didn't know what I was talking about, I might have <laughs> stopped talking about it. I genuinely thought he, he was unaware of the, the tricks that a DVR can do. <laughs> uh, before we get back to the phones, we were talking about uh, the week that was 2-1-1 one, one this week, what you liked about it, and then we got into some trade discussion. Uh, will the Bruins, like last year, where they gave up four picks for two players, be willing to dip into the trade market? Actually, some of the buzz I saw this week, at least some writer at Edmonton was speculating whether Chara would be on the block. Uh, maybe that was before they no. had a little bit of a hot streak. Like, like you just said, writer speculating. True. Ne- next. Uh, <laughs> won't, won't happen. It won't no. happen unless he says... Right. I want to move. And, I mean, what may, what sense does that, that really make for the Bruins right now? I mean, he's playing good, and you're just going to have a gigantic hole in your defense. It doesn't unless they would fall out of the, the mix, and then you could probably get a nice asset back for him. And, what you know, what's he? how much does he have left in the tank? He, he probably wants to go to a contender. He, I think he probably would waive the no-trade clause. Well, I don't know what he, I what don't, he would do. I don't, I don't know, I man. I, I think he's – the way it's always been labeled to me was that he's not moving unless he wants to. Like, they, they are – and they're going to love it too when his cap hit drops to four million dollars next year. Say he's a bargain next year. Yeah, he becomes he, he becomes a, a valuable chip on your team and on the trade market as well. Exactly. If he's play, if he plays at this level next year, I mean, you're getting for four million dollars. That's 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 going to be one of the better bargains in the league next year. If Charik, you know, again can play at the, at this level, which he surprised a lot of people. Like Ty alluded to. His time early in the, the tournament, the World Hockey Man, it was like, oh, you know, as a, as a Bruins fan, you're like, oh, man, this is what we got to look forward to. Father and time. That, that only, you know, that just happened to be an, an anomaly during the tournament. But uh, for, for a guy 39 coming off the year he had, uh, you know, I tip my cap to the year he's having. And, you know, he's a big presence in that locker room, too. I don't, you know, trading him, it's not something the team would do willy-nilly. And, of course, like Ty just said, they can't do it if he doesn't want to. So I'd be surprised. I mean, He's been the captain here. I I, I, I think he's going to finish that contract and then and then go from there. Freddie in New Hampshire, one of the greats on the line here on Sunday Skate. What's going on, Fred? Morning, guys. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, good, good. Um, McQuaid, he's, a, he's got a spoke B tattooed over his heart. I mean, that guy's like a Marquardt, a Gumby. I mean, I look forward to that guy. Every day you know what you're going to get. Every game you know what you're going to get from what, him. What do you think of that uppercut, Fred? Liked it. And as he said, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. And he, he was like, he, 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 he backed off. He looked at the refs and go, hey, really? You're going to let me take this guy out like this? Yeah. But anyways, that's another thing. But, um, you know, you liked that game yesterday? You liked that game? They were being outplayed. So many. They were two saves away from that game going to overtime and them, them losing. In the third? They had a bit of a lull in the third. Yeah, a bit of a lull? <laughs> Even in the second. There were times they couldn't get off the ice. It was... Uh, they scored six, Fred. They hadn't done that since the opener. Yeah, I, I can't really quibble about the game yesterday. I mean, they, they won six to three. Well, I mean, I think there were times... There, uh, yeah. was, there, were, there were times where they were getting pressured and hemmed in their own zone, yes. But at the same time, what the yeah. Flyers... The, what they did well is that they, they sort of 
with the exception of the the two net front goals from the Flyers, you know, their top unit with Simmons and Shen, they really kept the Flyers out of the, these quote unquote the high danger areas. Um, so it looked it looked like a ho hum game. Front tip in the and the Bruins couldn't get them out of the front of the net. Yeah. I mean, how many tips did they have? I mean, they were out they were out working them in the corners. It, anyways, that's not my point today. I want to talk about this team is they need a shake up. I don't want to go through another get to the end of the year and in April I go to bed again. I don't want that to happen anymore. Okay? They they need a trade. And the Islanders are in a funk. So what I love Krejci, but what do you think? Krejci in a first-round draft pick for John Tavares. Whoa, Freddie's coming strong. I'll, I'll you, have th- what, you think I'm negative. I'll have what Freddie's having. <laughs> uh, yeah, Krejci's just starting to come Krejci, alive. Tavares for Krejci in a first. I don't, I mean, Goth Snow might be able to be had on certain trades, but I don't think that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of games you can call and complain about the Bruins, but uh, yesterday, I mean, they, they won 6-3. to three. I mean, you can quibble over, you know, third-period puck possession when the game was essentially at hand, but I, I mean, I'm, I got no issue with the game yesterday. It was a wacky game. It yeah, was a lot of special yeah, teams I mean, dominant. They gave up a couple power play goals, but yeah, I mean, all told, they, they handled their business. They, they've had some leads that have felt like they might slip away this week, but they didn't. So it's you know yeah apparently Twitter thinks we we we're supposed to go all Patriots all live I mean you know well that's Sun- that was why I had my disclaimer at the top of the show yeah exactly Patriots it, stock coming up in fifteen it's called Sunday yeah Sunday skate the show is booked months ago you know we don't know the NFL schedule when it's going to play out that Patriots having to play uh, you know Saturday night so yeah sit sit tight you you page Patriots <laughs> folks you can get brainwashed for the for not the rest only of Pete the day. Shepard not only Chris Price special mystery guest yes to join the guys teaser, in studio. big teaser. Huge. It's Tom Brady. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> could be Tom Brady. Well, uh, going going to what Fred was saying, uh, if you're looking to the Islanders for a trade, uh, there are two guys that I think would be interesting. Uh, one is Josh Bailey. The other one is is um, Calvin DeHaan, uh, the defenseman. Calvin DeHaan's young. Uh, he's RFA, I believe, at the end of this year. Um, could really fit a lot of their needs in terms of what they're doing both this year and moving forward. Uh, young defenseman. He's, he's not a ton of offensive upside, but he, he plays defense well, and uh, I think he could be a good fit. Uh, Bailey, um, more of a scoring scoring threat on the wings. He could be nice in your third line. I think uh, he's under contract for next year. Other than that, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna back up the Brinks truck for Tavares because they've uh, failed to pay everybody else around him. Uh, they let Ocposo go. They they let Franz Nielsen go. Uh, and it's really all sort of pointed towards the idea. Okay, well, Tavares is going to get a max deal when when his time is up. And you know, it's funny. It's, there are other teams out there that think they can get Tavares. Buffalo thinks they can get Tavares if he hits the market because they've signed so many of his friends. Uh, which is it's, you know, it's it's that's funny. Such, that's such a goofy excuse. Well, you know, it's the like Cleveland Cavaliers mentality. It's the Golden State mentality. You sign the friends, and everyone else comes. But, but you know? like, and not only that, like there are so many guys in the league. I mean, there are. Few, very few guys in the league who don't know each other. There's, there are so many friends on other teams. Like when I hear that one, it's like, dude, every guy in the league has a friend on a team. You yeah, know? it's it's always a funny one. No, but it's they're gonna back up the Brinks truck. Krejci in a for, first wouldn't be close to getting. No, to no, you're talking McAvoy because he's a Long Island boy. They'd want that. It'd be like the Abs with Carlo. They'd want the Long Island boy. Uh, so, so I mean, that'd be that'd be what you're talking. You're talking McAvoy. You're talking two firsts. You're you're talking. A lot of stuff, and and, and that me, even then maybe Grass Snow says I'm not doing that because he understands the value of Tavares and a franchise center. They don't really come around all that often. Text line at three seven ninety three seven from the seven eight one. When Bolesky comes back, where where does he slot in, and does Hayes have a chance of uh, cracking a healthy lineup? 
no haze the last two games, and uh, I don't think they've missed him all that much. Say Bolesky gets slotted in on the third line, right? And then if he plays well, he bumps up to where Vetrano is. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I think I think come playoff time, it wouldn't be surprised at all if if Bolesky's on the uh, playing on David Krejci's left side. I mean, I like Vetrano. I, I think, but he is he is a kid. He's still you know again working on a two hundred foot game, and you know. Claude has certainly opened up his mind with young players, with rookies in the last season or so. But, you know, when uh, when push comes to shove, he's going to want a veteran in there, and I think we're going to see Bolesky there. Sunday skate, Ken Laird, Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports, and Ty Anderson. Final segment coming up. We'll talk about some of the hits this week. Voracek's hit on Kevin Miller last night, uh, which sort of turned that game around. Uh, the bleed hit on Yossi and others, and get you set for NFL Sunday, which starts at 9. That's next on Sports Radio WEI. Yeah, I think uh, early on we had a lot of moving parts and, and guys in the lineup, different uh, um, guys that came in that uh, we all had to get used to one another and it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, it, it took half the year, but again, I think we all realized we have to be a desperate team and um, we're, we're starting to come together and, and learn each other and, and uh, finally get some chemistry on the line. So um, all, all that comes into play um, and again, I think we're just um, starting to connect. There's your Cheese Doodles Extreme Player of the Week brought to you by Wise Snacks. Brad Marchand, seventh in the NHL in points right now, boys. 43 points, 17 goals. He has 25 points in 25 games. So, white hot. Cheese Doodles Extreme Player of the Week brought to you by Wise Snacks. Hotter than a 100-mile-per-hour slap shot. Final couple minutes here on Sunday Skate. Brought to you by AT&T Star Market and Wise Snacks. Ken Laird, Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. And Ty Anderson from WEI.com. Football talk coming up here in mere moments. Uh... What do you guys think of the hit from Voracek on Kevin Miller last night, which sent Miller out of the game? Got a five-minute major. Eventually, they scored on it. Uh, Voracek was whining about it after the game, basically said shouldn't have been called at all. Uh, another one of those you know, close hits that in the NHL could go either way, I suppose, but on the numbers and pretty dangerous three feet from the boards, which sent Miller face first there. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it, and I think both players were – like, I think Miller, the spin Miller does puts him in a bad situation. I also think Voracek doesn't know how to hit. Like, he just kind of, he, <laughs> he said, I'm going to go into this and hope for the best. And obviously it was a worst-case scenario kind of thing. I mean, you're seeing guys do this a lot now. They they, they turn their back uh, right when they get up against the glass there. And it's a dangerous thing to do. Um, you understand it, though. I, I think, you know, the game is so quick now. They're trying to outwork a, a guy, especially as quick as Voracek. I mean, you got to do what you can there. But... I think that was sort of a worst-case scenario in terms of what happened. Uh, I don't think that happens nine times out of ten. It's just a bad situation. It's a bad spot for Miller to put himself in. It's a bad hit for Voracek to sort of commit to. But you're talking about a guy who doesn't really hit all that often. Um, first off, it was eerie as hell because of where it happened and who it happened versus. Because if you remember Patrice Bergeron, the Randy Jones hit was right in that exact spot. It was versus Philadelphia, obviously, and I, I believe it was a matinee, too, if, if I'm not mistaken. I may be screwing that up. But as far as the spot, it was like, oh, man, that's what Bergeron got hit. And I think it, similar to the Bergeron hit from Randy Jones, uh, I think it was more reckless and careless by by the flyer than it was malicious. I mean, I don't. Randy Jones wasn't trying to do that to Bergeron, and just like yesterday, Voracek, uh, he was just kind of you know threw his back to him. It was like more, more of a reckless hit. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just you know an unfortunate thing. Uh, Voracek, like I said, not a dirty player. Um, 
uh, it doesn't have a reputation for it. You know, you watch the replay, he certainly looks like like a dirty player. But I think it was just kind of a, like I said, a, a reckless came from a reckless, uh, careless place more than like a, a malicious, you know, deliberate. I'm going to try to hit him because I mean, he he basically hits him with his back. He's kind of looking at him out of the side of his face, and as you know, Voracek's coming in with his back. Miller's turning at the same time, and you know, like Ty just said, it was just more crap timing than anything. Another good sign of the week. They played without Miller last night. They played two minutes short in St. Louis on on the blue line for a while, so they've been able to. They're getting used to it. Yeah, battle through a little bit. Is Colin Miller close or, or no? He was. Uh, no, there's been nothing on. Nothing. No report. No, hasn't been on the ice. Every time you ask Julian, you get stonewalled. So. so he might not be. Yeah. It'll be Joe Morrow coming back into the lineup, or one of the guys from the Miners. I think you'll see Barkowski back before you see Joe Morrow back. <laughs> I don't know what happened with him. Uh, another home game uh, and a day game coming up against the Islanders. Bruins are 5-0 and in afternoon games. Then they go so on the road weird. to yeah. Detroit. So a chance to get a little streak going. Yeah. You'll be talking about it on the Barstool Sports Spit and Chicklets podcast this week. Career. Absolutely. Check it out. We have, uh, again, Paul Bissonette, a.k.a. Biz Nasty, uh, off, off of Twitter, formerly the Phoenix Coyotes. It was a fantastic guest this week. Give it a listen. And we'll be back next Saturday with uh, the football next week. We're going to be on Saturday night, 6 to 730 and we'll be all Patriots all the time next Sunday for the championship okay, game. Listen up, oh, Pats good fans. Thing. So stay good tuned. Thing. All right, uh, Pete Shepard coming in with his special mystery guest and Chris Price to cast 1,007 hours of football talk and the games right afterwards, only here on Sports Radio WEI.